coming up on today's Next Fan Up podcast. You've got questions. This is my number one question. What are your impressions Do you like on guys? Jordan so oh, far? Oh, sorry. Was that not a question we were <laughs> asking? We've got a different group of super fans to answer them. Yeah, I mean, we're going to... We're, I mean, we have a lot of obvious cuts. Wait, is that in reference to me? Because frankly, I think you want me as your boss. Because he's not going to glare at me on the sidelines if I don't put him in the game. That's right. No glaring stares. No talking back to the head coach. It's all coming up here by the fan for the fan. Here we go. Listen. Hello. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You play to win the game. Next fan up. I want winning. They are who we thought they were. Hello and welcome to, I guarantee this is going to be a shorter than usual off-season edition of the Next Fan Up podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Pod Vader. Shorter, but not worse, because we'll still give you the great quality insights that only the fans can provide. And I have a few different guys here with me this week. Uh, Not the usual Thursday crew. One guy is, and that is your defending Super Bowl champion Eagle super fan. James. Hello, James. Yeah, fly, Eagles, fly. Pod, does it hurt you every time you have to say that? Yeah, a little bit. It does. Oh, okay. A little piece of me dies every time I say that. Yeah. Oh, cool. I, I appreciate you. Then I'll try to be on almost every single week, so you, you have to introduce me that way. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, our, uh, one of our guys who's usually here on Thursdays, and he's, he's in and out. And last week, I don't even know if I introduced him. It's Andy, our Dolphin super fan. Hello, Andy. Hello, everybody. Happy International Women's Day to all the lovely and, and remarkable women uh, out there. And uh, uh, men and, and trans and zers and, and all, you know, everyone who believes that they're women, happy International Women's Day to all of you. Um, and would, it yeah, be, would it be wrong things? of me to ask the women out there if they like men? Can I, can I get away with no. asking that question? Not no. during an interview. Why would though. that be wrong? <laughs> not, not during a job interview. That that would be inappropriate. There <laughs> uh, was a little uh, pre-recording conversation, and we'll get into that question a little bit later on. It's the second time I've actually dropped that joke, even though it's the first time you heard it. Uh, the last super fan joining us here, uh, filling in for our man across the pond, or at least that's why he said he was joining. It's our Raiders super fan, Monty. Hello, Monty. Are you, are you considering yourself an Oakland Raiders super fan or a Las Vegas Raiders super fan? All of the above pod Raider nation. It, it, it spans uh, more than just one city. And I'm just sitting here thinking that this Derek Carr deal is looking better day, day after day. It just keeps looking better. Well, I mean, Quarterbacks these days are getting ridiculous contracts. We know this, and it just continues to go up and up and up. So the fact that you got Carr last year and not this year, I think, is kudos to the Oakland Raiders. But, of course, you didn't have a choice. Uh, If you want to get in touch with the show, you can do so via email, nextfanup at gmail.com. One of our fans, Clayton, had asked me a little while ago, actually, January 29th to be exact, uh, to be the general manager for his Houston Texans and make them great again. Uh, just so you know, Clayton, I have started the process of making the Houston Texans great again. Uh, I have not finished the process, though. Uh, so you'll have to still wait for uh, my written article on making the Houston Texans great again. And if you want me to be the general manager of your team uh, and sim a couple of seasons using the Madden 18 
simulator, uh, you can do so. All you have to do is write in the email nextfanup at gmail.com. You can tweet us at NFU Podcast. I know our super fans have been tweeting like crazy about a lot of the stuff that's been going on in the NFL right now. Uh, seeing here, um, uh, Neil, of course, one of our bigger tweeters, talking about fair grades that were handed out for some of the trades that have occurred. Um, but you can follow us there at NFU Podcast, a great place for football conversation. And facebook.com slash NFU Podcast is where you can find our podcast. Uh, if you're not subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, tune in anywhere great podcasts are heard. You can always find our show. Okay, joining us now as we begin our headline portion of today's program is our Seahawks superfan, Justin. Justin's not here because it's happy times in Seattle. Oh, no, it's quite possibly the opposite. It seems like it's the end of times up there in Seattle, Justin. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sad, um, especially from a personnel standpoint. You know, just to talk about what's happening is we have Michael Bennett traded to the Eagles. We have Richard Sherman, who is almost certainly going to be released in the next day or two. Um, we have the, the the fact that there, it's very unlikely, I think, that we'll see either Cliff Averill or Camp Chancellor on the football field this year uh, in a Seahawks uniform, if in any uniform. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's kind of the, the the changing of the guard, the end of an era. Um, and it's, it, it's sad from a personal standpoint just because I like all these guys so much. But the moves do all make sense. I mean, the you know, there's been some people uh, lambasting the Michael Bennett trade. Basically, they moved up from a seventh-round pick to a fifth, picked up a uh, wide receiver, long-shot prospect kind of guy, um, only saved a couple million dollars in salary. But, I mean, uh, Michael Bennett had is you know, sad to say, past his prime. Uh, he didn't do really anything on the football field last year of note. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it, again, it's it's sad because these are the stars um, that you know we've kind of grown up with. But from a football standpoint, I, I don't object to any of it. I think it was all long overdue, necessary. If you listen to me on the podcast, especially on the defensive line, I've been calling for this for the last year. Uh, so, I mean. Seattle doesn't have a lot of cap space. They're one of the teams with the least amount of cap space. I'm looking at overthecap.com right now, and we'll be talking about an article written there a little bit later on in the show. Seahawks are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth in terms of from the bottom of overall cap space left. So how are you replacing these guys that you're cutting and letting go? I mean, the old-fashioned way. Uh, look at it this way. For the second the half of the season, you, got, you, got, yeah. it. <laughs> uh, you know, for the second half of the season, you didn't get anything out of these guys. I mean, Richard Sherman was injured. Cliff Averill was injured. Camp Chancellor was injured. They weren't on the field at all. For the last half of the season, Michael Bennett had a total of two sacks. To give you some perspective, Deion Jordan had uh, four in the last five games. Um, oh, Deion so Jordan. That, like, wow. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that's that's actually where where it's, where it's going to start. Um, they're going to keep Deion Jordan. I think that's pretty much a given. Uh, and then other than that, you know, just just draft. I mean, you're going from so given how much I told you with how much they contributed in the second half last year, compared to how much they are paying those couple of guys, those are tremendous salaries. Um, there's a little bit of uh, dead money for Michael Bennett. Um, there'll be more with some of those other guys. Um, but I mean, draft, um, that's, that, that's the big thing. Um, you know, acquire more picks and draft. Maybe we'll get to see Malik McDowell, but I'm not holding my breath, but that defensive line needs a total rebuild. I mean, top to bottom, 
total rebuild. It was generating no pressure last year whatsoever. And so, yeah, I mean, it's um, as as valuable to me as the little bit of money that they're going to save. It's those roster spots. It's uh, places where you can play guys, develop guys, try guys out. Maybe you find a free agent or two that you think you can, um, you know, turn in this, into a contributor. But that's 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 really what it is. I mean, it's a half of half of the defense is being replaced right now, like a f- full half of it. And the expectation is that these are going to be replaced by by young guys. I mean, there's a reason why they went out and got Shaq Griffin last year. Um, and he looks like he's going to be the, the next number one corner. So that, I mean, so that, that's how you do it. You, you draft and you get cheap young guys that are developing in those roster spots. Well, like I said, I, I'm glad way. you brought up you're going to draft. What did you get for Michael Bennett? A fifth round draft choice, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Move, move from a seventh to a fifth. Yeah. And then also so, picked up a uh, player. Yeah. So, you have your first round pick, which is number 18, but you do not have a pick in rounds two and three. Yeah, my expectation, and this has happened basically every year he's been around, is that John Schneider's going to trade out of the first round and acquire some additional picks, um, which is which makes perfect sense to me. I mean, um, you know, the, the Seahawks, honestly, are terrible drafting in the first round. Um, they do a very poor job outside of Earl Thomas, um, and they do a fantastic job in rounds three, four, five. So uh, move, move that pick, get guys there, and then use that to fill out your roster. I mean, that, that that's the blueprint. And that's exactly what they're going to do. Mm. It doesn't sound like a very good blueprint. Andy, you don't get to talk a lot, so I'm going to throw it to you to, to take shots at the Seahawks. Well, first of all, uh, thank you so much for having me. Now, a lot of things to unpack here with the Seahawks. So, Justin, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so number one, what and as a Dolphins fan, this is my number one question. What are your impressions Do you like on guys? Jordan so oh, far? Oh, sorry, was that not a question we were asking on this? <laughs> hey, it's National, no, it's National not Women's a question. Day, by the way. So, what's your impression of Deion Jordan so far? Um, he could not do anything at all for the first half of the season. He got some limited reps for the next quarter of the season, and then honestly, the last four games, he was a beast. He was. He was a monster. Uh, I'm really, really excited to see what he can do with a full, healthy offseason. Okay, interesting. Uh, question number two. I, I'm a big Russell Wilson guy. Um, I don't think he necessarily needs a running game or a defense, which is incredibly ironic given what the perception was his first couple of years in the league. Now, sure. as the roster around him has deteriorated, obviously, if you were to give Russell Wilson something – between an offensive line, a defensive line, and a another secondary, what would it be? Uh, do I just have to pick from those three options, or can I pick something else? Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, you have to pick from those uh, three options. And then after uh, that, tell me what else. Defensive line. Absolutely defensive line. Defensive line. So um, not offensive yeah, just, line. No. No, I mean, um, you have – uh, you have a borderline Pro Bowl center. He was a you know Pro Bowl two years ago. I missed the cut this year, but wasn't far off. You have Dwayne Brown, who really solidified the left side of that offensive. Oh, line. I forgot about the Dwayne uh, Brown trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I, I, it's at, at at this point. I mean, it's not great. It's still a, a bottom half of the league offensive line, but it's way better than it's been for a long time. So you know, people who. You know, a lot of people locally are like, oh, you know, they're going to use all this money. They're going to go buy a bunch of offensive linemen. No, that's stupid. That's not what they're going to do. That's not how that works. So there's not like a – you don't go to, you know, Costco and buy a 10-pack uh, of, of, of those guys because um, they're, they're not out there and they've improved there. 
um, it's that defensive line because that is what gets the ball back in his hands. I mean, there's nothing more frustrating than, you know, you see a, a maybe a three and out offensively, and then the other team has the ball for the next seven and a half minutes because they just four yards at a time, like Dink and Duck, Duncan chip their way all the way down and put some points on the board. So give me a defensive line because that gets Russell Wilson the ball back in his hands. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. I would probably choose offensive line because if I'm here's my thing with the Seahawks. If I'm the Seahawks, I just try to like pivot entirely in terms. Of, I just try to drop the defense in in cold weather and rainy 12th man ethos. That's all. You know, you have an elite quarterback now. Act like it. Don't be like. I think there. You know, the whole like 12th man and the Legion of Boom and you know it's time for a change and. That all worked back then because Russell Wilson wasn't, at least in terms of volume, an elite quarterback. In terms of proficiency, you could argue he still was back then. But now I just think the Seahawks should completely pivot and do whatever they can to help Wilson and weaponize him and build, obviously, to his unique skill set. And I say unique skill set. Listen, I think Russell Wilson can execute at a very high level from inside the pocket. And that's what differentiates him, by the way, from Cam Newton or, or someone like that. So... Yeah, that's my thing with the Seahawks. Pod, what, what do you think? What direction would you like to see them going? I think, number one, the Seahawks need an offensive line. They've needed an offensive line forever. They still need one. Uh, I, Dwayne Brown did do a decent job towards the end of the year, but he's one guy out of five, and I think you need more than that. If you want to say that your center is still Pro Bowl quality, okay, so you still need three other positions to sort of solve. And uh, I will yeah, and, continue and, and, to go back to that picture of those guys all are five dumpster guys dive. laying down on the ground. <laughs> that, that one picture is just ingrained in my head. All five offensive linemen laying on the ground and Russell Wilson running for his life. So yep. the other thing is not only do you lack picks in, in the draft and you lack uh, – cap space to really make some moves in free agency, you're going to lose one of Russell Wilson's favorite targets from this past season in Paul Richardson, um, which, which is going to take another blow to the team. I, I think Paul Richardson quite possibly might be the best wide receiver prospect available in free agency right now. So uh, that's yeah, going to be I mean, problematic it, for you. That, and that's why that, they got that, the receiver from us. Yeah, exactly. Sure. And uh, you might you might be able to speak more to him, but uh, I mean, he's the, the guy that's getting. I mean, people don't know his name because he was an undrafted free agent, but he made the Eagles roster based on strong play. His measurables are excellent. He's fast. He can jump. He's agile. Um, this team is mostly made up of undrafted free agents. I mean, Doug Baldwin was an undrafted free agent, and uh, I'm not saying that this guy's going to be the next Doug Baldwin, but uh, they are not afraid to. To um, you know, if, if he earned it on the field, give him a, a a starting role, and at the very least, just from what I've seen of him, um, he he's got some some potential, and I I, I like him. I mean, his college career wasn't amazing because he had crap quarterbacks, but I I think he's he, he I think if nothing else, I think there's a good chance he's going to be uh, their wide receiver four. Um, you know, they picked up the wide receiver last year that didn't play a whole lot that they like. They still have Tyler Lockett. They still have Doug Baldwin. So. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not as concerned about the wide receiver position, um, especially since you know they've still got number three throwing the ball. So as long as he's back there, they'll be fine. James, do you have any uh, Seahawks uh, hate you want to throw 
Justin Swift? I, I don't I don't have any hate. Um, I think the when I saw the trade announced yes, uh, you know, yesterday, it did catch me a little bit off guard. I knew Michael Bennett was being shot. I didn't think that we were in the mix to get him considering our own salary cap situation. Um, from our team's perspective, I can speak to the domino effect that since Chris Long only signed a one-year deal with us, he is definitely most likely probably not coming back. And with the um, and that that's a huge upgrade. Right, and, and, and also Vinny Curry, who the team is trying to get to restructure his deal, might get cut now. The, that just pretty much increases the odds of that possibly happening, which means we'll be drafting another defensive end um, in, in, in the draft uh, upcoming. Uh, as far as Marcus Johnson, uh, what I can say as far as what the Seahawks have given is getting in him is a bona fide wide receiver with talent through the roof, basically. Will he be the end-all replacement um, for uh, Paul Johnson, I honestly can't speak to that. Probably you, you talk about two burners there, and that's probably the only similarities I see. Marcus Johnson didn't play a lot in our offense last year because he was the fifth wide receiver, um, mm-hmm. literally on the depth chart, not fifth pass catcher, fifth wide receiver. So um, he played mostly on special teams, so he can contribute there if there's you know any help that you all need. So you're definitely going to get more than just a guy to run routes to get open deep for for uh, Russell Wilson. You're still one of the three teams, James, that are over the cap uh, as yeah, the yes, we are. new year approaches. And you're the team with the largest amount of money over the cap, over $9 yes, million. We are. How are you getting rid of $9 million bef- within the course of a week? Um, aside from the free agents that we most likely will not resign, like I said, I already mentioned uh, Chris Long. Uh, obviously, LeGarrette Blunt probably won't be resigned. Uh, there's going to be a lot of restructuring of deals going on. Uh, players will be getting cut. Uh, Nigel Bradham will most likely be getting cut. Torrey Smith will most likely be getting cut. Um, this signing is going to be a domino effect as far as our defensive line. Like like I said, uh, Vinny Curry is probably on the chopping block as well. So across the board, there's going to be some quality guys on the depth chart along with a couple of starters who will not be back next season. And you're and you're low in draft choices too because you're giving them all up for these proven veterans. Which yeah, we gave one up, way to build uh, a roster. Leave a third round for uh, Jay Ajayi during the middle of the season, so we're not picking in the third round this year. Uh, before you go, Justin, uh, uh-huh. since you are in the NFC West, the Rams have been making some moves too. Uh, one traded Robert Quinn to uh, Andy's Miami Dolphins also ended up trading Alec Ogletree to the New York Giants. I'm looking at the Rams' depth chart. Not only did they lose those two guys, but Carner Barwin, Tremaine Johnson are both free agents. What are the Rams doing to their defense right now? Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, I love that Robert Quinn trade um, because he's no longer in the NFC West, so I am all for it. the, I mean, that, that that's to make room to, to pay Aaron Donald. Um, you, you know, obviously they'd love to have both, but you can't. Uh, not when they're both on real contracts, and Aaron Donald is going to be expensive. Um, I, I wonder what that means for Ndamukong Su, which maybe Andy can speak to. Um, the trade of Alec Ogletree, um, I don't like that one because he's terrible, and I like him being on the Rams. Uh, <laughs> and the fact that they actually got a couple of picks for him, my goodness, Giants, just, just pack it in. You're, you're, you're dumpster fire. Just shut it down. That's, that's ridiculous. Which picks were these? Uh, I actually missed this. Yeah, I, I want to say it was like a, like a, 
six and a seven or like a five and a six or something like that. Like it was, it was more than the Seahawks got for Michael Bennett, <laughs> which is a, a little painful. And he's such a bad player. I mean, such a bad player. Um, so yeah, the uh, both of those moves make sense. They're both the right moves because you got to pay Aaron Donald and you got rid of Alec Ogletree. I mean, good, good job, Rams. Um, darn it. Of course, this article doesn't have the actual picks in it. Well, in any case, yes. it yes, was I'm two not, picks. Not, not a not a Rams super fan. Yeah, I know it was two picks. Um, and I know uh, here that we I go. Uh, late fourth rounder, the hundred and thirty fifth pick. And a sixth round pick. A fourth and a sixth for Alec oh. Ogletree. My goodness. And they got a seventh rounder from 2019 with Alec Ogletree. Uh, <laughs> giant. Wow. What are you doing? Seems like yeah. a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, we'll get into this a little bit more. I, I'm uh, looking at it from a Rams perspective. I just, the Rams were were in the playoffs and now they've totally dismantled their defense. And I'm looking at their depth chart going, I don't know how you plan on replacing these pieces that you're giving up. If you're not resigning Tremaine Johnson and most reports have them not doing that, I, I don't know where they're going. I mean, they they've got middle of the road salary cap space, so they have money to spend. So they could make some moves in free agency. I just, I don't know. It seems curious. Keep in mind, Sean McVay is an offensive-minded coach. That's where he's going to spend the money. They're just like Pete Carroll's a defensive guy, and that's where they've spent all their money. Uh, when he goes, he goes shopping for groceries, that's the aisle he's spending his time in. So that's where he's going to commit resources. But, I mean, that that Aaron Donald contract is going to be massive. It's going to be insane. And well, you have to pay for that. Well, And, and they're going to have to I mean, pay Sammy Watkins, too, who is also a free agent. Uh, do you have to pay Sammy Watkins? I don't know about that. If I'm the Rams, um, I want Sammy Watkins back. Yeah, he was not their best wide receiver last year. Um, I have a theory the, about Sammy Watkins, though, last year on the Rams. I have a feeling that, like, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods just, like, ate underneath because of Sammy Watkins running deep. And maybe this is because yeah. I was a Sammy Watkins fantasy owner and he didn't have the season that I thought he would, <laughs> even though he made some huge plays. I just feel they had Sammy Watkins running deep and he just was given so much respect by the defense, which is why his numbers suffered. But meanwhile, the other two guys are eating underneath. So I think Sammy Watkins is still pretty good. I think he's very, very yeah, good. He, he's a very interesting creation. Be be ready for the Rams to be this year's Cowboys. They're going to be your massive uh, re- regress to the mean candidate for 2018. I don't know about massive, but I mean, the, the way that the, NFC West is shaping up right now. We could see a huge jump for those San Francisco 49ers. Hey man, don't sleep on the Niners. Uh, all right. Well, there you go, Justin. Thanks right. so much. Yep. Go Hawks. All right, guys, there goes Justin. I was trying to go through this stuff. Uh, well, I wanted to try and go through this stuff chronologically, but that got thrown out the window considering Justin's availability. But uh, Andy, we didn't really get to talk a lot there about the Robert Quinn trade. So let's talk about it. You now have a pass rusher on your defense. Yeah, I mean, I hope he's not washed up. I, I just feel I feel he is just because <laughs> that would be way too good to be true if we get because I know Cam, Cam Wake has a, a year left in him. He he is not going to hit that wall. I mean, he is unbelievable. He he really turned it on towards the end of last year. 
you know, uh, 10 and a half sacks. And he had four sacks going into, I think, week or 10 or something like that. Um, Sue, I don't think, I don't think this means we're going to cut Sue. I mean, this is the last year that we really need to have Sue on the roster next year. It's incredibly painless to cut him next year. We can cut him with like maybe 2 million dead for the rest of, you know, next year we can cut him for nothing. So I think we're going to hold on to him for another year. I mean, he's a good enough player where he still makes other people around him better. Like this emergence of Jordan Phillips is because of him basically, um, Jordan Phillips is a decent player, but adding Robert Quinn, I just feel he's washed up because if he's not washed up, uh, th- then our defensive line is just unbelievable. It's just too good to be true. So I think he's washed up. We didn't give up much, took on a lot of salary. I mean, Robert Quinn, I think Justin mentioned this. They were looking to – they were just really making room for Aaron Donald. That contract's going to be massive. So they had to unload, re- unload Robert Quinn to us. And, yeah, I mean, he's definitely washed up, though, just because we can't have nice things. So – I'm I'm reading Bill Barnwell's grades on ESPN.com, and he he mentions the fact that Robert Quinn had back surgery at the beginning of last year. Um, So maybe it's not so much that he's washed up. It's just that, you know, taking some time to get back to full strength after that type of surgery, you know, maybe he does have a little left in the tank. But uh, also you, much like James Eagles, the Dolphins have, the the second least amount of cap space because you're seven point six million over the cap as of right now. Yeah, I mean we're going to we're, we're I mean we have a lot of obvious cuts. We can get under we can get sixteen under quite easily. Um, we can still drop the Juwan James option, the fifth year option, which as a right tackle pays them a pretty penny. I think it's eleven million or excuse me, I think it's nine million. We can drop that. So there's nine right there. Julius Thomas, yes, that Julius Thomas, he makes seven point something million. He's an obvious cut, so cut him. So that's there's the sixteen right there. And also Pouncy. Pouncy's an interesting cut. Yikes. Uh I don't know. I don't think I'd do it. Uh I I don't think I'd do it. I think Pouncy's washed up, but I think he's just slightly below average. I don't think he's like awful. And he loves Tannehill and the the point of this year is to give Tannehill his final freaking chance. That's the whole point of this year, to give Tannehill his final shot, which, by the way, should have been in 2014, should have been in 2015, should have been. You know, I mean, it's forever with this guy. Put up or shut up, and Pouncey's his dude. So for continuity's sake, keep Pouncey around. And speaking of continuity, that's why I wouldn't mind at all paying Jarvis the, the, the franchise tag this year, just having him on the roster for a huge number, whatever. He'll walk after this year. But, again, for continuity's sake. Like if if Tannehill and Jarvis and Pouncey and everything, if everything works out, we go eleven and five, and Tannehill throws for forty two hundred yards, and then we have to pay all these people. But that's a good problem to have, I guess, is what I'm saying. So, you know, we we can make a lot of cuts. I think with the Pouncey cut, actually, we can get to under twenty four, twenty uh, twenty four million under the cap. So we're we're fine. Mm. Going back to the franchise players that you mentioned, uh, there were only five this year. Demarcus Lawrence, Ezekiel Anza, LaMarcus Joyner, Jarvis Landry, and Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell got the exclusive franchise player tag from the Steelers. The other four are non-exclusive franchise players, uh, which means the player uh, is permitted to negotiate a player contract with any club except the draft choice compensation of two first-round draft selections uh, shall be made in the event he signs with the new club. Uh, so that's the only difference between the non-exclusive and the exclusive. 
Um, there's also one transition yeah, no player. No one's giving two firsts for Le'Veon Bell. I mean, he's a great player, but uh, the league is smart enough. There's a reason Le'Veon Bell is like with his hair on fire being like, oh, no, like I'm going to do this. I'm gonna help. You know, it's because running backs just aren't valuable, even ones like him, especially when they play with Hall of Fame quarterbacks. So that's Le'Veon Bell's problem. Um, <laughs> that said, I'd is love, that really a problem? You know, though, I'd, because I'd, he basically is. I'd love to pay Le'Veon Bell $16 million for one year. Monty, who tweeted he retired? Uh, Le'Veon Bell, I thought, tweeted that, you know, things have been great. I'm going to retire. And everyone's kind of like, yeah, we'll believe Le'Veon, him. you are uh, not retiring. The paperwork. He is not retiring. He's just not. <laughs> He's just not. That's him and, him and Big Ben rotate years of who's going to threaten to retire. I mean, we've been through this a little bit, talking about Le'Veon Bell's situation. He is the best running back uh, that's out there. But is he worth what he wants? Yeah. To, I think he wants $14 yeah. million. Dollars. And he's worth it. He but, is true. He's completely based on whatever else they have on their roster as far as running back. No one can do what he does. He's basically their third down wide receiver. He is their primary runner. He's on the field pretty much 80% of the time, at least, if not more. And the plays that he makes in the running game or when the ball is in his hands after he gets past the line of scrimmage are just draw droppingly amazing. To say he's not worth it is asinine. Pittsburgh Steelers would not even be, I mean, barely divisional contenders without him. Granted, yes, they'd still have Antonio Brown and an aging Ben Roethlisberger, but Roethlisberger's not the same guy he used to be. He can't move in the pocket anymore and, and dance around a little bit. It's pretty much he's relying on his sheer size of defenders falling off him, which doesn't happen much anymore. Guys are learning how to hit Ben Roethlisberger to make him go down. So, him getting those dump-offs to Le'Veon Bell typically saves those offensive drives so that they're longer extended into, if not getting closer, field goal range scoring touchdowns. Le'Veon Bell arguably can be the best player in the league right now. But, James, the Pittsburgh Steelers could have had Alvin Kamara. They could have had Kareem Hunt. And rumor has it that this draft class is just as deep as last year's in terms of running backs. So, I mean... When you say You're he's taking worth a chance it. with the rookie run, okay, but also understand here's the other thing that Le'Veon Bell does that those other guys are still learning to do. He blocks well, mm. and that's the biggest that's the biggest knock on any running back coming out of college. Their blocking ability because the transition from the college game to the pro game is light years as far as blocking, and sometimes in college these guys barely even look at the defender they're supposed to chip or straight up block on the blitz. They're diving for the legs, and they miss. They're supposed to chip, and they just reach out and touch them with one hand and go on by because they're looking at, I'm going to get the ball. You can't do that in the pro game. Look at last year's Super Bowl between the Falcons and the, uh, and the Patriots where Freeman looking the wrong way on an audible call by uh, Matt Ryan, and Matt Ryan gets blown up because Freeman doesn't even know where the extra rush is coming from. So uh, just from a money standpoint, uh, the Steelers and Antonio Brown agree to a restructuring of his contract. Uh, it frees up $9.7 million of space, which actually would move the Pittsburgh Steelers out of the bottom, well, out of being over the cap. They would now be under the cap and perhaps gives them room, not necessarily to sign Bell to a long-term deal, but just to keep Bell uh, on the franchise tag. Uh so that's uh, that was an important move that the Steelers had to pull off with Antonio Brown and Antonio Brown now gets a big wad of money to 
walk around with because when you restructure it, you get it all in a signing bonus and then it gets mm-hmm. prorated over the length of the contract. And that um, won't be the last time he restructures. I'm sure it won't. Uh, we talked about Marcus Peters. Uh, one of the one of the moves that we didn't talk about on the last show uh, that I don't know why we missed this one. Vontae Davis signed with the Buffalo Bills. It's a one year five million dollar deal. Uh, this is an interesting move here, Andy. He's gonna over over under over under one point five Tannehill interceptions to Vontae <laughs> Davis this year. Oh my goodness! Over. It's, I, I've I've never heard of anything more friggin' predictable in my life. I can just picture it now. It's like a it's like a fall day in Buffalo. It, both offenses are kind of ugly. Like we can't do anything. Whatever mystery meat rookie Bills quarterback they have can't do anything. It's like a 10-13 game. Tannehill throws an interception in the end zone. When I think we're going to win, I can see it right now. It's I can cheap... see it right now. He's going to he's going to be covering an apathetic Devontae Parker who like didn't break hard enough. It'll be half Devontae's fault. It, it, absolutely, I can see it right now. It's I a cheap right now. It's a cheap deal too, Monty. Uh, I mean, five million bucks for a, for a starting. He's had injury problems. That's why it was cheap. But he's a, he's a he's a good player. He's a very good player. I mean, the Raiders probably could be contracted Davis. Uh, yeah, I think he uh, visited a lot of teams. I don't know why anyone wouldn't t- try to sign a short contract with him to see if he's got anything left. I think the only question about him is the injuries. I mean, he's obviously talented, and the Raiders, I don't think they, I mean, the season hasn't started yet, but once it does, I don't think the Raiders are going to have any cornerbacks on their roster because they're going to let everyone go. So, yeah, I would have liked to see Vontae Davis wear the silver and black for a minute or two. You mentioned in the chat the Bills also ended up signing Chris Ivory, and this one is a little bit of a head-scratcher. Uh, noted here by Bill Barnwell, the Bills just guaranteed Ivory $3.3 million, which is inexplicable for a team which already has the league's most expensive running back in LaShawn McCoy. I think it's LaShawn McCoy insurance. They're just, you know, can't give them the ball 400 times uh, a season anymore. And Ivory is not insurance for anyone. <laughs> He's horrible. Uh, he he came in and uh, played average for when Fournette was hurt last year. I mean, he's all right. You just veteran minimum. That's probably what they cost to get a backup running back these days. Mm. If I'm spending $3.3 million, James, I'd rather spend it on, say, Deion Lewis. Possibly. Deion Lewis is going to get more than that, though. A little but bit I think Deion Lewis also has this share of injury history as well. Do we, yeah, wait, Andy? So you really think that. Lewis is going to get more than three point three? I mean, he's going to try. Get like, he'll get like three point eight, four point one. That's a discernible amount more. That's like a, mm-hmm. the size of a rookie contract. It's like five hundred grand. He'll get more than yeah. He'll get he'll get more. I'm not saying he's going to get a seven million dollar contract, but you know. All right, let's but Lewis is also more versatile than Ivory anyway. Yeah, he's just better. He's just so much better and so much better suited for contemporary NFL offense. All right, let me see here. Oh, of course, they lied to me, those jerks. All right, I was I was trying to look at a list of free agent uh, running backs, but didn't get and it. And I'm not me. sure Deion Lewis actually has an injury history. He tore up his knee once in, like, October 2015. I don't think he's had anything other than that. He had Everyone injuries. Tears up their knees. He had like, injuries no, before the injuries. Patriots, too. He had injuries this past season with the Patriots. There were a number of games he missed. That was him coming back from his torn ACL, though. Oh, okay. Interesting. But I had but, him. I guess I just... Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Let's see here. Dion Lewis, Carlos Hyde, Jarek McKinnon, Isaiah Crowell, Rex Burkhead. I would take any of those five over Chris Ivory. I bet when the dust settles, Ivory was the cheapest option, though. I I don't know. 3.3 for a running back seems high, especially an older running back. Like Chris, Chris Ivory's 30, I think. Well, the veteran we'll minimum, remember, the veteran minimum is a function of like the position you play and your previous compensation and how long you've been in the league. So running back is not a highly paid position. Chris Ivory has been in the league for quite a while. I remember him coming in maybe 08, 09. So he's definitely an older guy. Compensation in the past, the Jets did not give him a big contract. The Saints was his rookie contract. The Jaguars gave him a decent contract, so he probably gets a bump there. I don't know. 3.3, it sounds like it could be about the veteran minimum for Chris Ivory, mm. to be honest. Um, just to revisit the Michael Bennett trade, uh, word on the street has it the Patriots actually offered more than what the Seahawks got from the Eagles, but it came in too late. The Patriots were offering up a third-round draft choice mm-hmm. for Michael mm. Bennett. That uh, would but- have been nightmarish if the Patriots got Michael Bennett. And, I think he has uh, a lot left in the tank. And uh, Michael's brother, Martellus, was, uh, released, was released by the Patriots yesterday. And the only other move here, uh, I wouldn't say this is a big move, uh, but the Bengals signed defensive lineman Chris Baker. I would say that's Chris not Chris Baker's a big decent. Uh, he, he might be able to help them. Five. I mean. That, that's yeah. not the biggest free agency move so far. What are we missing? The the hawk retired. The Andrew Hawkins? Is that what you're talking no. about? Ed Hockley. Oh, oh. big pop up yes. pump. Yes. Biceps Hockley. Uh Ed Hockley Esquire. I met Big Papa Pump. Uh I've met and, Big Papa Pump. <laughs> I the met him. Guy, you mean? No, Ed Hockley. Ed Hockley. Oh, wait, so, what? Oh, I'm about to, I'm about to share the story. Okay. All right, here we go. Ed, Ed Hockley met him uh, in New England at a Red Sox game. Uh, he was there with a couple of members of the officiating crew. The Patriots were playing Sunday night football, which is why they were in town. Uh, and he was, the, uh, he was the official for that particular game. So they were taking in a Red Sox game, met him on the tee, uh, heading uh, after the game was over and we we're talking with him and uh, his crew members kept referring to him as big Papa pump <laughs> referring to the fact that he is the guy who likes to show off the guns uh, with the very tight referee shirt. Um, so, yeah. That's great. Yep. Big you, Papa you're going to miss those bulging biceps calling all the signals. He has a son who's also an up and coming official. Yes. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Jeff Triplett, too, uh, the Backwoods Hick, uh, I believe Bill Belichick once referred to him as uh, famously in one did of the. Did he those... really? Did he yes. really? When was it? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he did. It was in what it was in a playoff game, and it's it's it was it's on an NFL Films documentary. <laughs> but uh, Jeff Triplett also retired from the NFL. Uh, this past week. Yeah, Jeff Triplett did a terrible, terrible game. Uh, so you know how at, at the end of the year, a couple games are like reviewed because they were just like so bad and lopsided? 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's like five or six per year. So one of those games, I think there were six this year. One of those games was November 2nd or early November. Uh, the Bucks beat us at home. This was like the Bucks, like third, we gave them like their third win of the year or something like that at home. Uh, that was a triplet game. That was a terrible, terrible game. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was sacked in the end zone, but because his, like the crown of his helmet made it to like the one yard line and he was already fumbling the ball by some weird, it, the ball was placed at the one instead of a safety. That's like, that was kind of like the highlight of the game. But yeah, triplet, triplet was done. Triplets cooked. Uh, ha- happy retirement, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, you're not, you're happy to see him go is what you're saying. This wasn't even a Jameis game. This was a Fitzpatrick game. That's how bad it was. And they beat us at home. Not that it's the first time Fitzpatrick has come down to Miami, by the way. And beat us, but you know what makes a great retirement gift, gentlemen? That's right. Mm, a I'm free, razors. Yes, a free trial shave kit from Harry's Razors. You nailed it, James. Good job. You know, the beauty of Harry's Razors is that they really do give you a nice, close shave. Very comfortable. The the glide of the shave, uh, very smooth. It's it's fantastic. And frankly, uh, I love my Harry's Razors. I, I can't believe it took me this long to actually find Harry's Razors. And they, Harry's, is so confident you're going to love their blades just like I do. They're going to give you their trial shave set for free when you sign up at harrys.com slash nextfanup. You just pay for shipping. So if you're looking for that special gift for Big Papa Pump or Jeff Triplett, just go to harrys.com slash nextfanup. Right now, you'll get that trial shave kit, and it comes in a nice box. It's a very beautiful box. You can wrap it up and make it look real nice uh, for their retirement gift. So claim your free trial offer from Harry's today. $13 value for free when you sign up. Just cover the cost of shipping. And listen, uh, considering all the bad calls these guys have made, 13 bucks as a retirement gift, I think that's right on point uh, in terms of value. Your free trial set will include a weighted ergonomic razor handle, five precision engineer blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, a travel blade cover. Get your free trial set. Go to harrys.com slash nextfanup right now. That's harrys.com slash Next fan up. You know, I'd the other guy, one of those, I'd pay for one of those for uh, Gene statutory and his index card. Uh, if they would retire, I would certainly pony up the 13 bucks for the Harry's razors. You know, the other guys that could use a, a Harry's trial kit are the rookies coming into the league. The combine uh, now uh, is all done. We're going to be watching pro days. We're not going to cover too much of the combine here today on this show because our draft guys will be doing a show this weekend. So you're going to get two shows this week from next fan up. Hey, what a blast. I do want to quickly run through a couple of the stories that came out of the draft. Uh, the biggest story is Shaquem Griffin, uh, who is a linebacker at UCF uh, and was uh you know, he lost a hand. So he plays he plays linebacker one-handed. He he put up 20 bench presses. He had the fastest time by anyone since 2000 weighing over 220 pounds with a 4.38 40-yard dash. All of this is great. He's listed as a linebacker. I mentioned he's 227 pounds and has only one hand. I get his tape and his college career shows that he can play the position. I just don't know if that translates to the NFL game at all. I don't see why not. Um, 
the one of the games I did watch them play this year because I did watch their uh, conference title game. I forget who their opponent was. And I did watch the bowl game they played against Auburn. And if you watch that game, every tackle you saw at the line of scrimmage or behind for Auburn when they just couldn't get anything done, he was there, either blowing it up in the hole on a running play, uh, setting the edge on any type of wide plays, getting the quarterback, you know, if he's trying to get mobile or flatten out towards the line, uh, knocking down a couple of passes, coming over the middle. This guy has a motor that can go. And scouts pretty much say this all the time. If you have a motor and want to, you can play in the NFL. And he definitely has both. Hmm. Uh, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. Uh, uh, Saquon Barkley. Give him a chance. What's the worst that can happen? uh, Barkley is proving, uh, especially by his workout, that uh, he should be worth the high draft choices, just like Ezekiel Elliott and Leonard Fournette before him. Um, He had a good combine, as did really anyone from Penn State. I saw that the NFL Network did this. If the combine was the Olympics and they're giving out gold, silver and bronze Penn state as a college would have destroyed uh, in all the medal categories, uh, which I thought was interesting to note. Um, that is interesting. The uh, you think of the sec schools as like the athletic schools and Penn state's like the, the non-athletic schools, the, right. the big 10 Joe, Pa, you know, grind it out. Uh, a couple of losers. Um, and I'm looking at this article from SB Nation, Orlando Brown had one of the worst combines in history. So he's projected as a first round uh, tackle from Oklahoma, uh, but he put up one of the fifth worst 40s of all time, which who cares? He's a lineman. So who cares if he can run fast or not? Uh, His broad jump uh, was also fairly short. Uh, Again, who cares who jumps as an offensive lineman? Uh, But coaches were reprimanding him during the combine for loafing through the drills. Now, that is a problem. Uh, That definitely Honestly, everything's a problem, though. Like, the the point of the combine is that it is a proxy for athleticism. Are you at face value doing that exact act? No, a tackle is never jumping up and down, doing burpees or whatever. But it, it's a proxy for athleticism, which, you know, does matter in the NFL. So I'm not right. saying the combine is the end all be all. But, like, I think all this stuff does matter. And well, it's even not like with it's guys a top first. quiz. You know, like well, he's had months to prepare for this. This is like the single biggest exactly. moment in his life to try to cash a big check. Had, and if he's not going to focus on it, mm-hmm. I wouldn't throw any money at him. Mm-hmm. This kid has had months to prepare for this. He, Him and his family slash boosters under whoever has probably paid for an agent and a number of personal trainers who specialize in each of these drills. He's probably gone to camps or at least he should have gone to camps. And if, if he doesn't take it seriously or doesn't perform, I mean, how could that not be an issue? It's a little bit of an issue. I'm going to uh, paraphrase a former player and say that uh, the combine to me doesn't matter, but it does count. Meaning that a, a lot of times, the numbers that these players put up at the combine are grossly misleading and you should really just fall back on the tape. It's very true. Uh, Speaking of that, Dante Jackson was uh, the LSU corner was rumored uh, to be even faster than John Ross's record 40 time, but 
that did not happen. He hit 4.32, which tied with Denzel Ward and Perry Nickerson for the best amongst all players at the Combine. Uh, also, uh, Mr. Vita, Vita Via there, he did not run a sub five. I was disappointing that he didn't do it. Still, it was an impressive time for a man at 347 pounds. Uh, I think he ran a 5-1. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I don't have it in front of me. Um, and then the, uh, the other loser. Moment to, I just want to take a moment for a second. We were talking about uh, Griffin, uh, Shaquem Griffin is his name, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or is that who, what's the, what's the name of the guy in the Seahawks? Is that Shaquille? That's Shaquille. Yes. Okay. So Shaquem Griffin, how funny is it going to be the first time it's like a third down and he's in coverage in space and he's trying to cover some scatty little back or whatever, and he holds, and they call a holding on him. And then the announcer, it might be Romo. Imagine Romo getting the call. It's like, holding? How do you hold him? He has, you know, blah, 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 blah. Or the, maybe they won't go there. But I can I can see it now. I think it's going to be Hopefully kind of a, an interesting slash awkward moment, actually. Well, speaking awkward of interesting and awkward, uh, uh-huh. going back to the conversation we had before – the podcast began uh, and the joke that I've laid down twice on this show. Uh, apparently Darius Geis was asked by a scout at the scouting combine. Do you like guys? Um, James, I-, I will give you the floor because you were the one that brought this up. Yeah. So first let me just read this quote by the uh, NFL in the statement that they had uh, questions such as this is completely inappropriate and wholly co- contrary to league workplace practices. Uh, the NFL and its clubs are committed to providing equal employment opportunities to all employees in a manner that is consistent with our commitment to diversity and inclusion, state and federal laws, and the CBA. We're looking into the matter. So I'm going to take looking into the matter with a grain of salt. Um, questions like this, and of course, the one that gets asked every single year to, unfortunately, what I'm seeing as a trend more of the um, African-American athletes who are coming through the combine, is your mother a prostitute or I heard your mother sells yourself. I get that these are questions to stir something in the players to see how they would react. That's Brian question. Jeff Ireland of the Dolphins of the Dolphins yes. at that time. This is the 2010 draft. And, yes, Des Bryant. That, and Marquand Manuel spring to Eli Apple a couple of years ago as well. So this is, a, this is not a question that's just been asked once to one athlete. This question does get the rounds. Um, Geis was also asked this question as well. So we have at least three players now who have said that they've been asked if their mother is a prostitute. And now Geis is also saying that he's been asked if he likes men. I don't understand why you choose these questions to try to get some reaction out of athletes. There are other questions you can ask. Give them a what-if scenario. You're in a burning building and, you know, you want to save your memorabilia or your pet, like what should you say, something like that, or – or, you know, there, there are other ways to ask this question. I understand. Like I said, I get it. You want to gauge their reaction to see if they can keep their heads, if, if they can remain calm under pressure, um, see if they're going to fly off the handle, if, if something bugs them, you know, the slightest thing bugs them, whatever. And, yeah, they should ignore these. But in a regular workplace interview in corporate America or any job whatsoever, even outside of sports, you could pretty much have the employer brought up on charges for asking questions like these. These are grossly inappropriate, you know. And, yeah, you can say the players themselves have conversations on the field worse than these questions, 
but there's a difference between banter between colleagues and the conversations you have with your employer, like we said earlier before we came on. Uh, the, the NFL needs to hit each of the 32 clubs, their staff, their, their scouts, and roll out this arcane line of questioning because there's no place for it anymore. Um, and quite frankly, knowing me, I, I'm a sarcastic, I'm an evilly sarcastic person when I get asked questions that rub me the wrong way. And I don't react in a very aggressive or emotional way. I'll just dig in deeper to you. And I know me, if I was at the combine, I'd flip these questions on the scouts in a heartbeat to make their head spin and to make them think twice about asking these questions in the future. I don't know. I'd, I'd reply. Yeah, I dig dudes. I mean, what's the, you got a problem with that? Um, to play devil's advocate, you brought up the banter uh, by by colleagues on the field. And that, and that is really the only place where I could even stretch it to make it seem. I don't even want to use the word acceptable because it's not the, that's not the right term for it either. But I could see you're going to get called all sorts of dirty things. Your mom's going to get called all sorts of dirty things on that field. And it's all about that other player trying to get into your head and take you out of your game. And I can see where somebody who's not necessarily educated in the way that psychology is supposed to work, trying to pull off the same thing in a 15 minute quick interview style. Let's see if we can get this guy fired up. How is he going to react? Does he react extremely negatively? Is that going to cost us, you know, in a major point in a major game somewhere down the road? Right. And pot, I hear you on that. And, And to furthermore that more players, and I've seen this trend over, you know, when you see uh, players move into analyst roles in the different networks, across the board, more of them are coming out and saying that the mom jokes are pretty much off limits. Nine times out of ten, the or I shouldn't say joke, but the, the, the quips at, you know, your mom this, your mom that on the field is, is being phased out as far as the jabbing, the verbal jabs and barbs in between the lines. It's more personal attacks on the players themselves, their lifestyles, um, where they came out of school, where they were drafted, how much money they make. Another player that, you know, is on their team or on another team that your opponent is playing against is better than them. It's, it's more attacking their pride than anything else. And the moms have pretty much been phased out. I'd say probably within the last 20 years, this has been going on. And it's a trend that I've seen pretty much talked about by many athletes. Every time these things come up from the combine, um, just, Look at the litany of shows catering to the NFL and all the former athletes. And every time they talk about this, they speak about their time in the league and on the field. You don't really get the mom jokes too much anymore. You know, like pretty much when they first started, yeah, but as they move through. So I, I, I hear what you're saying. And, yes, they do still happen, but I don't think it's as rampant as we would think. I mean, didn't I see Des Bryant do a whole commercial where he called Josh Norman a wet blanket? Yeah, I believe Des says that's not my words, but that's exactly what his words were. Right. The the phone commercial, both Mm -hmm. of them going back and forth. Uh, Not Des. It was uh, Des and and Josh Norman. Yeah. 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 Isn't that what I said? If I didn't, that's what I meant. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There was an interesting article uh, that came out 
from overthecap.com. And I love using over the cap because it really is one of those sites that gives you a very good, clean look at where every team is according to the cap. Now, uh, Jason Fitzgerald is the owner and the proprietor of the website, and he actually wrote this article as well. But he does not update uh, the numbers based on the rumors that have come out. So all of these trades that are occurring, and um, that's not uh, built into his figures, I don't believe, by the way. Um, so, So whenever I quote these numbers from over the cap, you have to take that into account. But this article that he wrote about the Worst free agent signings of 2017, I thought was perfect for us uh, super fans to go through. And he wrote his article from 30 to one. I'm going to go the other way. uh, And we're obviously not going to hit on all of these. But uh, number one is is Kenny Britt of the Browns. Four years, $32.5 million. Yeah, that's a bad deal. That's unbelievable. I don't know if it was a bad deal as far as a bad decision by him to go to the Browns with their quarterback situation because no one could get him to football. Well, let's wait. Are you trying to put this on the Brown? Kenny Britt was worthless. There, the, the stories about him out of Cleveland are legendary in terms of how little he cared. Wait, are you trying to say this is anyone other than Kenny Britt? This is a terrible contract by the Browns because they're the Browns. But yeah. like I think the Browns are pretty blameless here. I mean, goodness. He played nine Kenny games, Britt. 233 yards, and then was cut. <laughs> I mean, goodness gracious. And a lot of this is, listen, I believe I called I believe I called Hugh Jackson an imbecile on a previous podcast. So you guys yes, know you how have. I feel about Hugh. Yeah, you guys know how I feel about Hugh Jackson. But, yeah, I mean, that's a ter- 32. I didn't know it was that much. I thought it was four years, 24, which would still be bad. That's terrible. Monty, you are correct. Kenny Britt is now with the New England Patriots. He is not getting yeah. anywhere near that type of money. And the Browns are paying like, it. feels <laughs> like to me, Kenny Britt and his agent are a genius. They stole the money from Cleveland, and now they're going to go play in the playoffs. So I'm, I'm like the, the Browns on this one. Now, that was a bad deal, but I think the implications of what the team who signed this next player were hoping – was going to happen makes this actually the worst deal of 2017. The Bears signing Mike Glennon three years, $45 million. I mean, they expected Mike Glennon to come in and be the savior of the franchise. At the very least, be a placeholder for the rookie, the Mitch Trubisky that they ended up drafting. But Glennon uh, was replaced after six starts. Uh, <laughs> that's just horrible. Horrible contract. This is what happens when average quarterbacks get starter money for no reason whatsoever. Mike Lennon's below average. Brian Tannehill is an average quarterback. Mike Lennon is is a Mike Lennon is probably somewhere between the forty eighth and like fifty fourth best quarterback in the NFL. He's like a mid tier backup. I'd argue that both Tannehill and Matt Moore are better than Mike Lennon. I mean, See, Glennon, he's a he's a, he should be making four million dollars a year. He should be making a nice living because that's what backup quarterbacks do is they make a nice living. But the number four no guy on this list is Brian Hoyer, who got two years, $12 million. See, to me, if you compare Hoyer's contract with the Niners to Glennon's contract with the Bears, that's too high for Brian Hoyer's and contract Hoyer's to be better on this Glennon. list. Hoyer's better than <laughs> Glennon. Mike, Mike Glennon has never had a 10-game stretch where he's thrown for 280 yards with multiple touchdowns and a triple-digit pass rating. And that's basically Brian Hoyer, tail end of 2014 through like a lot of 2015. 
So, yeah, Glennon's never had a stretch like that. Hoyer's better. And $6 million for Hoyer a year, that's still a bad contract. It's a bad uh, contract, but not the fourth worst of 2017. I think, I think it's, That's all think relative. That's that about what a quarterback time. costs. If you want a backup quarterback, look at some of the backups in the league. $6 million a year for a backup quarterback, that's about on par. I mean, the cap is $177 Ideally, you'd like to be paying million. Four. You'd like to be paying like three and a half, four, ideally. Six isn't well, terrible. Well, if you look at it, Hoyer was signed as a starter. So exactly. that's, that's yeah. cheap. Well, so and that Glennon, until they made bit. until they drafted Trubisky. Right. But two years, at, would you rather have Hoyer for two years at 12 or Glennon three years at 45? Hoyer. That's no sort question, of question, Hoyer. Hoyer, right. obviously. You'd much rather have the Hoyer contract, which means, uh, Jason, you have the Hoyer contract too high on your list. Martellus I think the Bennett. Hoyer contract, I think the Hoyer contract's on the list because it looks bad because Hoyer was ultimately cut and now he's a Patriot. That's why, uh, very much like Britt, who's also on the list. By the way, is quick question, is former Dolphin great Deion Sims was given a largesse contract by the Bears? Is he on this list, Deion Sims, the tight yes, end? Yes, he is. I'm sure he is. Number 12. What, what number is he? 18 million. Number 12. Number 12. Terrible contract. And I like Deion Sims. By the way, I would welcome Deion Sims with open arms back into Miami off the scrap heap if they cut him, hopefully. Well, just so you know, Andy, uh, number 13 is Lawrence Timmons' two-year, $12 million contract with the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah. Well-deserved. He went AWOL on the team before the Chargers game. Mm. Uh, the third guy on the list is Martellus Bennett, three years, $21 million. Um, Yeah, you can say that was a bad contract, and then he ended up with the Patriots. The Patriots end up cutting him. So, uh, that's... Isn't it funny how <laughs> we've had three players on this list end up with the Patriots? <laughs> it is crazy. Uh, Marcus Wheaton with the Bears, two years, $11 million. He did nothing for the Bears. He, he was supposed to be their wide receiving savior. I don't even remember him on the Bears roster last season. Mm. That's because he had three receptions and 46 yards. Uh. <laughs> oh, that's... Horrible. I'm very intrigued by number eight, of course, because that was laughably hilarious when he was signed on, and I'm speaking of Nolan Carroll, the Cowboys, signed him for three years, $10 million last year. The year before, this guy in Philadelphia couldn't cover a cold in the phone booth. Um, yeah, but so again, signed him, this is the thing, again, though. For that, a cornerback, that is cheap. For a corner, it is cheap. It's still a bad deal because he's not even worth the, the $10 million over three years. He is a lot worse than that. Mm. I don't know. To me, to me, that's a that's a good deal for a guy like Nolan Carroll, even as bad as Nolan Carroll was. Um, if he is, if he made he still, if he, he made bad, he didn't get better. <laughs> if he made three plays on defense, is still a better deal than Marcus Wheaton. Three catches for eleven million bucks. Yeah, that's not good. Well, uh, he played two games and got a concussion. It was released a month later. <laughs> Jermaine Gresham is number six, four years, $28 million, the tight end for the Cardinals. Uh, Andre Branch, too bad Andy had to drop off. Andre Branch of the Dolphins, three years, $27 million, is at number seven. See, this is, again, to me, this is – this is the Niners have money to spend. The Niners yes, are one of those teams that have to reach the floor. And Jeremy Curley at number nine, three years, $8.4 million. Okay, maybe, but – Again, that's cheap for a wide receiver. Yeah. 
I'd say so. Uh, let's see, Cam Chancellor. I mean, he was going to get his money. He got injured, though. I, I yeah. He had written. I, Jason I had written that, that he that he took out injuries from this, but apparently this one. A lot of these players got injured on this yeah. list. Yeah. Uh, apparently this one still made the list. Um. I'm looking for another really bad one. I know uh, Cleveland Browns Ben, when we talked about this on the Slack channel, didn't like Christian Kirksey on the list at number 15, four years, $38 million. I mean, that's what you got to pay a, a middle linebacker these days. And Kirksey had a couple of big seasons before this contract. Yeah. Back-to-back Seahawks signings at 19 and 20. Luke Jokel and Eddie Lacy. Both Those were bad deals. deals. <laughs> But again, only one-year deals. Is any is any one-year deal a bad deal? In the long run, no. But in the course of a season, yeah, it looks really bad really quickly. And Luke Jokel looked abysmal. And the fact that they didn't even play Eddie Lacy after having him, you know, make weight at three different points in the offseason before training camp even started was just ridiculous. Adrian Peterson, two years, $7 million at number 21. I don't consider that bad. I mean, you're getting a guy who's more than likely going to the Hall of Fame. You're talking about an average of $3.5 million a year for a running back, no less, of his caliber, which he probably should be getting more. And then you end up trading him to the Arizona Cardinals, and for the first three or four games that he played, he looked like the old Adrian Peterson before neck injury forced him onto the IR. So that I don't see as bad. All right. So, Monty, do you want Adrian Peterson at three and a half million or Chris Ivory at three and a half million? Uh, you know, I would probably take Chris Ivory because he's not going to glare at me on the sidelines if I don't put him in the game like he's some <laughs> You're kind not. of. Give me Peterson. <laughs> I would take Adrian Peterson, but I like the joke. The joke makes the tease. So, good job there. Uh, let, let's see here. Captain Munnerlin, four years, $17 million for the Panthers. Again. I guess he never started a game and finished under 40% playtime for the year, I guess. But again, a cornerback at that price, I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah. Now, Jamie Collins, four years, $50 million for the Browns. That's, that's a bad contract. Which I guess is why the Patriots traded him there the season before. Right. This is not a bad contract. Stephon Gilmore, Patriots, five years, $65 million. Yes, the first eight games were bad, very bad for Stephon Gilmore and looked like it was going to be definitely a very bad deal. Uh, but the last eight in the playoffs, did the Eagles even throw Stephon Gilmore's way in that Super Bowl, James? I don't. Yes, it was the last pass that was thrown to Alshon Jeffrey, where he one-armed it and flipped it up, um, which ended up being an interception. Gil- that's when Gilmore started covering. So there Alshon you go, Jeffrey, and and then we didn't throw his way again. Yeah, because so, at that point you had um, the, whoever the slot was and Rowe, and we kept picking on those two guys. Yep. So there you go. So Stephon Gilmore more than made up. Uh, for his horrible beginning, and he's still going to be on the Patriots as the starting cornerback. So I don't see that as a bad deal. The Dolphins make the list again with Kiko Alonso, four years, $29 million. I would again argue that's the price for a middle linebacker, and he had proven success before he signed the deal. Oh, gosh. 
Yeah, I wouldn't know because apparently we had this guy in Philadelphia at some point. He never suited up. So, yeah, sure. <laughs> if everyone thinks he's good, so be it. I, I, don't, I don't believe it until I actually see him play, which, by the way, I've never seen him play. Terrell Pryor, one year, $6 million. I, I still argue that one-year deals are not bad deals, uh, but it was uh-huh. definitely a bad. I mean, Pryor did not work. In, in it didn't work in Washington, but six million bucks just to take a flyer on it. They needed someone. I, I don't right. think that was a bad they deal at all. Someone. Just roll the dice. Not, if not he had all. something, you never know. Uh, and you but, know what? One year deals for wide receivers can be bad, especially if that wide receiver who's supposed to start and the quarterback never find a rhythm, and he and Cousins never found a rhythm. So this is so. Here we go. Would you rather? Terrell Pryor, one year for $6 million, or Brandon Marshall for two years and $11 million. Less on the average, but you got him for two years versus the one-year deal uh, that Terrell Pryor had. Again, this is this falls onto the chemistry thing because before he got hurt, he and Eli never saw eye-to-eye on the field, so they could never find a rhythm. So I, that's always my concern with a wide receiver changing teams. De- depending on when they're signed, and you know, I can't remember when each of them were signed. I look at Alshon Jeffrey. We signed him literally at the beginning of free agency, and Carson Wentz took the entire receiving core out to his hometown and had you know passing camp out there. So he was able to build some rapport with Alshon Jeffrey. I can't remember when Pryor and Marshall were signed last year to speak on you know, how they developed during training camp with their respective quarterbacks. But you could see it on the field. There was the transition from them being signed to being on the field. It's like, oh, yeah, this talent should be great in this offense. But if there's no chemistry between them and the quarterbacks, they look worse than what they really are. I'm not going to say either one was bad. I don't begrudge either team for signing either one of them. But, I mean, your quarterback's got to trust you. And by trust, I mean, even if you've got a guy draped all over you, I'm throwing you this football. The the final one here, which isn't really the final one because it was number 29, Latavius Murray, the running back for the Vikings, three years, $15 million. I say this contract looks bad in that they found a rookie in Dalvin Cook who was outperforming Latavius Murray right out of the get right out of the gate, but then cook got hurt and Murray was hurt. And that's where I'm, I sort of struggle looking at this as a bad deal, but as we've been yeah, talking, I the, I, the plan was for him to be a compliment to Delvin cook. He wasn't supposed to be the, the, the main carrier out there. I mean, he came in missed training camp or was at least banged up in training camp because of an injury. So it took him a while to get going. He was fine. He was productive, but going into the year, that was not the plan. Right. No, actually, and I think Latavius Murray was supposed to be the guy that was supposed to shoulder yeah, the Murray load. Murray was supposed to be the guy until they drafted Cook. And Cook showed out in training camp, which is why he dug into Murray's playing time. When Cook got hurt, it became Murray and um, McKinnon splitting time at that point. And it kind of told the Vikings offense throughout the season because if Murray was in, you knew you were going to get a hard run or play-action pass. When McKinnon was in, you knew you wanted to get something towards the outside or straight pass play. I ask you, Monty, Latavius Murray, three years, 15 million, or beast mode? 
Uh, beast mode was cheaper. I think we crunched the numbers on that earlier. Beast mode was cheaper, and he was just as productive as Murray was that year he was with the Raiders. So I think you want to spend your money at other positions, and you know that's the going rate of a running back, give or take. So, yeah, I was happy that they let Murray walk for what he was getting paid and brought in uh, Lynch for less money. All right, there you go. Is there any uh were there any signings on either of your two teams that we didn't cover you feel that belong on this list? Cuz there is one on the Patriots that glaringly is not on this list. Please do tell. Mike Gillisley. Gillisley <laughs> Gillisley didn't even play for crying out loud. Uh and and was signed as a restricted free agent, meaning we stole him away from the Bills. That was a horrible waste of money based on the production that the Patriots got out of Deion Lewis, James White, and Rex Burkhead. Uh so to me, Mike Gillisley was the Patriots' worst signing, not Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, I, I can't find one for my team. Um if the beginning of the season had played out that way all the way through, I might have said Tory Smith because again, while Carson Wentz found rhythm with Alshon Jeffrey, he couldn't find it with Tory Smith, especially on the deep balls, um, which is why a lot of those deep passes end up going to Nelson Aguilar instead. Um, but Tory Smith did, you know, find his spot in our offense as the season went along. It just wasn't so much the deep threat that we hoped he was going to be. But that's about as close as I can get to anything being a bad signing. Almost everything panned out for us last year. How about you, Monty? Yeah, I'll- all of the Raiders' terrible deals were from prior years. Last year, I think they spent uh, $5 million bucks on Jared Cook, who's you know an average tight end. I don't know what the going rate is for tight ends, but I wasn't upset when they signed him, and I thought he played fine last year. So uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, who is on this roster going into next year. I think there's going to be a lot of turnover. Well, we know one guy who knows what the value of a good tight end is, and that's Neil our Redskins super fan. (laughs) He will be here uh, this weekend. I don't know when that show is going to drop. I don't know if it's dropping Saturday, Sunday, or Monday, Uh, but basically you got to subscribe to our podcast feed on Apple podcasts, Stitcher, tune in, aha radio. You can find us on Spreaker. You'll see all of our shows are posted on our facebook.com slash NFU podcast page. So, Check all of that out so you don't miss the draft podcast. They'll be talking about the combine results a little bit more in depth than we did uh, going over the latest draft news and rumors. Next week, we will be in free agency mode. Free agency starts at four o'clock Wednesday afternoon. Uh, And so we'll have a lot to talk about based on what we've seen historically. We'll have a lot to talk about. Uh, next Thursday. So we'll be here Thursday and I am trying to figure out a way if there's probably going to be some more podcasts between Thursday, between Thursdays uh, over the next couple of weeks, because uh, there's going to be a lot of moves happening over the weekend in free agency, because we know teams just like to spend for their newest toys. And that's exactly what they're going to be doing next week. Um, except for James team. James, your your team seems to be content in trading for players, getting rid of your draft choices, and um, trying to find a way under the salary cap. Uh, Finding a way under the salary cap, trading away a couple of players. Uh, I do know that Curry's also been discussing trade talks as well, and uh, cutting players outright. 
So, yeah, there, there's going to be a lot of movement on our part. I don't think we're going to be signed. If we sign anybody, it's going to be for death purposes only, probably not starters. Any guys, Monty, that John Gruden wants? Um, I think John Gruden, I mean, his quote he said a thousand times is there's so much work to do. I think there's a lot that the Raiders need help at every every level on the defense. They need to figure out what's going on with their offense. I mean, there are a lot of players that would be huge upgrades from what we were dealing with last year. So, Monty, and do you I don't... think the offensive line bounces back this year? Yeah, hopefully they do, but I think uh, – I mean, they got to focus on the defense for sure. I mean, if they can get the offense playing back to a, you know, a shadow of what they were two years ago, but that defense was historically bad. So I, I think the, it's too bad that Andy left. They made uh, Ryan Tannehill look like a competent NFL quarterback when they played him. So we need to step up on defense. So all the big names on defense, I'd be curious, but I'd be surprised if the Raiders go after anyone in free agents. Um, McKenzie comes from Green Bay. So they kind of build through the draft, and they've got to pay Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper's on the horizon too. So I'm expecting them to be fairly quiet in free agency and looking forward to the draft. I'll be curious to see. The Patriots don't have a lot of cap space, but they have a little bit, and I'll be curious to see how many of the former Eagles the Patriots end up picking up because that's what they do. <laughs> they lose to teams, and then they go and pick up their 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 castaways and – uh it'll be interesting uh, because I do think, I do think that there's probably going to be one or two former Eagles on that Patriots team next year. So you'll have that to look forward to in uh, Super Bowl 53, James. (laughs) You're calling it early rematch. Plus whoever signs the worst contracts of the, this off season, they'll probably end up on the Patriots team at some point in the future. So just keep an eye on the worst contract signed. And those are your guys. <laughs> there we go. And a few podcasts to tweet us uh, next fan up at gmail.com. Send in those emails. If you want me to be your acting GM as free agency is about to get underway, just send me those emails next fan up at gmail.com. And I will. Make your team great again. Uh, Don't forget XFL, Vince. I still haven't gotten your call, Mr. McMahon. Uh, I'm waiting. I I will gladly be the general manager of any of your franchises, and I will make that team the XFL champion year one. I promise you that. With that, Andy Dalton, who still refuses to accept what he's done to me. There you have it. I never even heard his... His interview. So I don't know the context in which it was said. I don't know what he said before. I don't know what he said after. So I still haven't seen it. I'm not going to watch. I don't care, you know, but you know, I've got no ill will towards Jay. There's no feud between me and Jay. I think uh, we lost the game. He said what he said and you know, we're moving on. That's in the past now. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.